If you're awake, uh, would you all say maroon with me? Anybody? I love that accent. Well, glad we're together. You just sang a song a few moments ago. We believe in the words of the Bible. We believe there's life in its pages. I hope you believe that. Let's dive into the Word right now. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Go on your phone, whatever way. This is the passage we've landed on actually the last two Sundays that I think is going to be extremely helpful for us today. 1 Peter 5, let's start in verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. We're talking about anxiety. We found out last week that a ton of us deal with that. And, and, and we looked at this word two weeks ago of this word cast, that when Peter would have used that word, he would have vividly thought about casting a net. And then when Chris Seedman was here with us last Sunday, he defined a cast as moving an object from one place to another. And otherwise, you need to release your anxiety from yourself and give it to God. Look at verse 8. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Let's focus back there on verse 8 just for a moment. I never put together until Chris brought it last week, verse 7 and verse 8, that anxiety is one of the devil's favorite tools to use on us. Because the devil wants to devour you. And we found out that anxiety literally eats you up. Now, now here's what I'll ask you. When you're dealing with anxiety, depression, you name your issue, do you immediately think the devil's behind this? You see, what I'm prone to do is say, you know, I'm just a worrying sort of person. I, I just, you know, I just get anxious too much. Instead of going, you know what? What's behind this is an evil one who wants to devour me and my anxiety is coming from him. And then that wonderful verse 9 that you might just overlook, you know, Peter says people are experiencing this across the whole world. He wants you and I to know that we are not alone. Now, Chris has been talking about the prescription to deal with anxiety. This past Wednesday night, he talked about proximity, drawing near to God. This coming Wednesday night, he will talk about prayer, and those are powerful tools. But here between those, here's what I hear Peter saying. One of the prescriptions for anxiety is people. And what I want to call that this morning is it's an undervalued prescription. Actually, it's, um, it's one of those prescriptions we just don't give very often, it's underprescribed. I mean, you go to the doctor and you say, I got anxiety or suffering with depression or, you know, um, just worrying all the time or just insecure. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things he might talk about. You need to go to counseling. You might need medication. But normally, I don't think we'd say, you need to go get around some good people. You need to find out people like you that you're not alone. And so it's an undervalued prescription. And here's the prescription in a couple more words. Friendship and encouragement. Now, we know that friendship actually influences physical health. 
A couple of decades ago, a couple of major universities did some, some big studies on the, the power of friendship in physical health. One of those studies, they, they first of all studied people with healthy health habits and people with unhealthy health habits. And the results were obvious. If you had healthy health habits, you lived longer, you, you were more healthy. Okay. But then they did something really crazy. They put a different factor in the study. They put friendships in the study, and this is the way they compared it. They compared people with healthy health habits. They ate well. They avoided the things they need to avoid with people with unhealthy health habits who had friends. First group didn't have friends. Second group had friends. And they found out the most amazing thing. People with unhealthy health habits with a few good friends actually were healthier and lived longer than people with health habits, good health habits, and no good friends. Because it just affects us. Uh, my favorite study was this one. They infected 276 people with a common cold. And of course, they're comparing people with friends and people without friends. And, and what they found out is people without a gr good group of friends were more likely to catch the cold. If they caught it, they kept it longer. And I don't know how you measure this. They literally produce more mucus. Isn't that a lovely thought? Which goes to prove what you and I have always known. Unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. <laughs> I love those studies. They're not just funny. They're true. And the truth is, friendship helps your physical health. Here's our truth for today. Friendship and encouragement affects your mental health. And yet, I believe they're undervalued. I want you to look at a couple of scriptures with me that are really powerful. A couple of Proverbs. Proverbs 25, verse 11. The right word at the right time is like a precious gold set in silver. Man, that great passage. When you can say the right word at the right time, you got something beautiful. You ever get that perfect gift for your spouse? If your wife's like mine, she loves jewelry. And, you know, if I can pick out just that perfect piece of jewelry that I know she likes and surprise her with that, it brings incredible joy. Much more joy than a toaster or flannel pajamas, okay? It just, it just seems to work. And what he's saying here, the wise man, is when you say the right word at the right time, you bring incredible joy to people. And this one is really strong. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Now let's go to those two parts of that. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. I understand that as someone who struggles with depression. I normally don't think of myself as struggling with anxiety, but the more I dwell on that, the more I think, you know, I've always said my, my thoughts are so OCD, I just repeat them so many times in my mind that what my counselor said to me when I finally hit the bottom was, you've just worn your mind out. Eventually, you, you've just knocked out some circuits out there, you know, because you just have been so anxious and obsessive in your thinking, and it's caused your depression. I think that's true. Those, that's why we almost talk about those two things interchangeably, anxiety and depression. But here's the good word, is that a good word makes it glad. One of the great prescriptions 
for anxiety and depression is someone speaking life into you. That's the Bible, guys. Isn't it crazy that was written thousands of years ago and how true it is? I've been trying to research all these different scientific studies on friendship and encouragement and mental health this week. Sort of cool, you know, they can't say anything better than the Bible. Let me tell you some of the things I've read. Friendship is a crucial element in protecting your mental health. You realize that? Here's another one. Friendship forms a foundation to successfully deal with the challenges that life can throw at you. Every one of us right now has some challenges being thrown at us. Many of them by the devil. And the protection comes from friendship. And then, oh, I love this quotation. A word of encouragement during a time of failure is worth more than an hour of praise in a time of success. You see, when you're struggling and someone says the right word at the right time, it's powerful. So it's an undervalued prescription, guys. But even worse than that, it's underused. I mean, last week we raised our hands and confessed a lot of things about our struggles and Boy, we ought to all be easy talking about this uh, this morning because most of us have got it. I- I'm going to let you confess someone else's sin this morning, okay? How many of you live with someone who in their prescribed medicine either doesn't take it or doesn't take the whole prescription? Raise your hand. Or you know someone. Man, it's so prevalent. I mean, I- I- I'm, this is what I'm okay on. I mean, if a doctor tells me to take something, I'm going to take it. My wife, on the other hand... She's not here, thank God. She doesn't necessarily necessarily go the whole way through, all right? So I have to remind her, you know, this this is going to help you. You can't do half of the antibiotics and expect to be okay. And guys, when it comes to this prescription, it's underused. Let me give you a couple of reasons. First of all, because needy people refuse to take it. One of the problems is when you are struggling you begin to internalize things. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what happens with anxiety is you turn it back on you. You don't get it out. Here's something I read decades ago that has helped me a lot. I hope it will help you. When you've got this kind of issue, either you talk it out or you act it out. Because if you don't talk it out, you're going to internalize it. But it's not going to stay there. It's going to explode on the people around you. They wonder, why did you treat me so rude? Why were you so short? Normally it has nothing to do with them. It has to do with me internalizing things. And the second issue of why needy people don't take it is because we normally isolate ourselves when we're messed up. That's just a really natural reaction. But here's the really ironic deal about that. At the moment where you actually need people the most is the exact moment where you want people the least. What a terrible combination. So if I'm depressed, I just want to stay in bed. If I'm anxious, I just don't want to be around people. And we're missing part of the prescription. Now, that's the first reason we do. Number two is because many times as Christians, we refuse to give it. Because this is really sad because I want you to go with me just for a second. The, the meaning of the word encouragement is to put courage in someone. It's not simply about giving someone a good compliment. That's great. But it's about fortifying them, strengthening them to face whatever life gives them. And yet, 
I found out over the last month we struggle with it. It's a really hard thing. I meet with an incredible group of men every week. We call it a, a discipleship group. And, and a month and a half ago, we brought up encouragement. And I was just really shocked how uncomfortable these brothers were with giving it. I just said, I, just, I, I feel insecure. I feel like I don't say the right thing. I feel like my tone's not right. It just, and, and one of them actually had been in my office the day before. And I said, brother, I said, you came in my office yesterday and you told me what a great message I'd had the week before. And you know what he said to me? You don't understand how hard and uncomfortable that was for me. And so we've spent the last month and a half figuring out why we have a hard time giving it and how we can give it. It's pretty wild that something that does not cost you a cent and doesn't take almost any time and is so powerful that it's a part of the prescription for anxiety and depression, we don't give often. And I don't know about you, I've got some regrets about that. There's some times I should have said a word where I didn't. I've got a good buddy named Craig Smith. In fact, Craig is watching this right now. They've been watching virtually online with us from Arkansas for the last three or four months. And uh, he was our youth minister in Pensacola. And he was getting married in Searcy, Arkansas. And so uh, Luke was going to be the ring bearer. Luke, you were four years old. And um, this is the great part of the story. The, the flower girl was, her name was Auburn, okay? <laughs> and so when the wedding's going on, I'm looking back there, and Luke is flying down the aisle because he's got to beat Auburn, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know where he got that obsession. It must be his mama. But he's got to beat Auburn. So, but here's what killed me. In the rehearsal dinner the night before, they do that deal where everybody's got a chance to say something about the bride and groom. And all these people stood up and said all these wonderful things about Rachel. She's a wonderful person. Just... But when it came to Craig, because Craig, brother, you admit this, you're sort of a rascal. I mean, he just was one of those characters, you know. He was fun. That's why he was a great youth minister and just loved doing things. And just... But everybody just, honestly, they just ripped him. And I sat there, and I should have stood up and told them what a wonderful young man he was. And I regret that 20-something years later. Because how many times would we have the chance to fill in that gap, to say those words? We think them, we know them, and I sit there silently. And I know a lot of times our, our issue, and that's what I'm about to address the last few minutes of our message, is we don't think we know what to say. So let me help out here. I hope this will be helpful to you. It's helpful to me. How do you give the prescription? And, and what I'm about to teach you now would apply to if you're trying to help someone with anxiety or depression or insecurity or a sin issue or loneliness, you name it. I think this will work. And what I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you what not to say and then what I think you should say. First of all, don't do what I did. Don't be silent. You just can't be silent, guys. I mean, all, I mean, this one thing I've learned from my guys is we think, we think good things about people. We just don't 
say it. What should you say? Can we just get together? You don't have to start with some confrontation about what's going on with them. You know this friend well enough to know they're off or something's bothering them. And then all you would have to say is, you know, I just, I just would like us to get together. It seems like maybe there's something we need to talk about. And so you invite them to go on a walk or go to lunch or go hunting or fishing. Go to a movie together and go get some coffee afterwards. But you're just, you're just going to be there. You see, guys, one, one of the most sad things about this is we feel like we have to have perfect words. You don't. Sometimes you just need to be there and listen. You know, I, I, never, I didn't point this out while we were studying First Peter, but I meant to. Is I think one of Peter's greatest regrets was when he went with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is at the lowest point of his eternal life. He needs someone to be there. He needs someone to lean on. And Peter slept. And that's why through this book, he keeps telling us repeatedly, be sober, be alert, be awake, because it was a regret. My friends, people aren't looking for a perfect answer. They're not even necessarily looking for an answer. They're looking for a friend. Let me give you another one. Don't say, no way you struggle with anxiety. I can't believe that. You couldn't be depressed. Your life looks too good. I will never forget this. When I was in the depth of my depression, we had a great life group. And I, I went, went one Sunday night, and, 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 you know, finally I just thought, I want them to be open, I better be open. So I said, guys, I just got to tell y'all, I am just in the depths of depression. Here's what they did. They laughed. They literally laughed like, <laughs> buddy, that couldn't be you. We know better than that, man. We see you get up and preach every Sunday. You look okay. Let me tell you this. The one time I could escape my depression was when I was preaching. And the moment I sat back down, I was like not wanting to move. And so I had to go back the second week and say, guys, I, you know, I love you guys, but you really hurt my feelings last week. I really am depressed, and I really do need some help. See, guys, sometimes I think we look at people. And we think they just couldn't have this. You know, let me just say this. I think this is a, we base way too much on looks. We think if someone looks together and they dress nice and they carry themselves nice, they probably don't have any problems with anxiety. And I, I feel sorry for people like that because some of you here, because you do look together, people would never guess it. They're not going to say, could we go talk? And when you say it, they may discount it. They'll say something spiritual like this. Oh, buddy, you're so blessed, man. you got this great house, and you got this beautiful family, you know, and you've been successful. I appreciate all those things, but those don't help me. All those do is make me feel more guilty. I already feel guilty enough about being depressed or being anxious, and then when you tell me how I should feel and how wonderful things are, then I feel even worse. Now I'm shamed. I know you don't mean that, and I don't mean that. I've done the same thing. But what you've you got to say is, you know what? It could be any of us. I mean, last week we found out when everybody raised their hands, it could be any of us. Do not assume because the way someone looks or behaves that it's not them. 
Now, here's what you need to say, if you can. If it's true, probably the best word you could say is, I've been there. It is a glorious moment, whatever you're struggling with, when you finally open up and you tell somebody, and they simply say, me too. Man, that's amazing. I've been there. I am there. That's, that's why I, one thing I love about God is he takes the worst thing you've been through and he's going to use it to help somebody else. But he can't do it if they remain silent and we remain silent. We've got to be able to say that. Let me give you another one. Don't say, buddy, you just need to pull yourself together. Yeah, get your act together. You're just moping around here all day long. Listen to me. If they could pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, don't you think they had already done it? Friends, that's not God's prescription. When God's dealing with Elijah, I mean, one of his greatest prophets, God doesn't say, Elijah, my goodness, I've chosen you as a prophet, man. You're one of my main men. I mean, you're blessed. I mean, Elijah, I mean, you defeated 350 of the prophets of Baal, man. Do you remember the fire coming down and... You know, I mean, what a victory, one of the most vivid victories in, in Scripture. And they ran, and you were on top of the mountain, and you were the winner. What's your deal, Elijah? No, he didn't say that. In fact, he didn't say anything at first. He just made him sleep. And then he fed him. And then he brought a friend into his life. So don't say you need to pull yourself together. Say something general like this. You know, I've noticed... Things don't seem real good right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Could we talk? Guys, talk about undervaluing prescriptions. Talking is so powerful. Because my issues is I, I rattle it around. I internalize it. And, and normally you don't have to tell me anything. If you'll let me say it, I'll immediately feel better. Because talking, sometimes when I say it out loud, I do get it in perspective. I I, I realize I'm not alone. I do talk it out and stop acting it out. So just let someone talk. It's so surprising what a big help you can be. You ever had someone come to you and say, man, I need to talk, and you sit down and you listen. You might throw in a couple words. You might hold their hand and pray, and you know, they walk out of your room or your office and they go, you don't know, man. I feel like a different person. And I always think, I didn't do a thing. Yes, you did. You listened. You let someone talk. And that's powerful. Because remember, that encouraging word or two you said, put courage in them. And here's another one. Don't, don't, and this is the spiritual one. But it's not the right answer. Don't, don't just say, just pray about it. Oh, man, I know you're struggling right now. Just take it to God. Pray about it. Cast it on Him. Now, it's part of the prescription. Don't get me wrong. And when you're with that person, I wouldn't dare leave without praying with them. But it's not the whole prescription. You're part of the prescription. So don't just throw them out with a trite Christian answer. Go, go pray about it. Here's a better, better thing. How can I help? What can I do? I, I noticed coming to your house that 
you've not done laundry in weeks. I'm going to come over here and do your laundry. I've noticed you normally keep a really wonderful yard. And Can I come over here and cut your grass? You're probably not paying very good attention to your finances. Can I help with that? You're scared to walk in church. In fact, you told me a, a few Sundays you drove into the parking lot and you couldn't get out of the car because you were so anxious. And you walked out. You just drove out. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to meet you in the parking lot next Sunday and I'm going to walk in with you and sit with you. Or you do what a friend of mine, Billy Camp, did a few years ago when Jay and Kim Northington's daughter, Jordan, was battling cancer. Billy would not let Jay drive to Birmingham by himself. No matter what time the doctor's appointment, he took off work and he drove. Because that's where you start helping people. And let me give you one more, because I'm, I'm real tempted with this one. Don't simply say, call me if you need me. And I, I think there's a power that, hey, I'm here. If you need me, call me. But when you're in that state, you don't do it. Here's what you ought to say. I'll be checking on you. I'm going to check on you in a few days. Because here's, here's what means a lot for someone who struggles with this. When someone remembers and they actually call four days later and go, hey, I know we talked about it. I just want to check and see how you're doing. I, I can't tell you how many really good friends just remain silent. You call, that, that's going to be powerful. I, I remember when we moved to Pensacola and you know, I don't make a lot of sense in the way I react to things. It was a great time and a great church and all this kind of stuff. But I, I was, I don't move well and I was depressed. I, I didn't know the words back then, but I was depressed for two years. And nobody noticed but an 80-year-old man named T.C. Barnes. He became my best friend. And I'll never forget the day he called me and said, Buddy, I've been watching you. And I know moving here was really hard on you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call and I'm going to check on you every week. And for five and a half years, that man called me every week. Gosh, there's just something so powerful when someone remembers. So guys, it's not about magic things. It's just about being there and caring and listening and just putting in a good word about what you believe about them. In fact, this week we're going we're to have a memory verse. If you'll get in your lifelines, there's a card for you to take with you. Ephesians 4.29. We're going to build off this memory verse over the next weeks. It's a great, great, great verse. So read this out loud with me if you don't mind. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, we're going to have a memory verse every week the next few weeks. This is the longest one I'm going to give you. But this one, this one is a great filter for everything you say. And so I'm challenging you right now because we've got to work on this. We need to listen to the commands of Scripture because what we all believe is that this is optional at best. 
No, I can't. I don't have to. And, and we're going to use, some of you have been around here a long time, we're going to use my old building blocks, and we're going to talk about how you learn how to encourage. And, and today and next week, basically, we're landing on the first one because I've decided that this one is the most important because the, the D is decide. Say that with me. The D is decide. If you're going to be an encourager, then there's a few natural encouragers among us. I, I, I know I could name some of those people. But for most of us, it doesn't come so natural. So you've got to just make a decision. I'm going to say the words. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. We learned a few weeks ago in preschool, there are two kinds of children. Those who build things up and those who tear things down. And my belief today is there are two kinds of adults, those who build people up and those who tear people down. And what I want you to know is that God believes you have a choice. And can, can you imagine with me just for a moment? Can you imagine with me, as a church, that we got good at giving this prescription the people knew if they walked in these doors, they went to your home, they went to your life group, if they worked in the cubicle beside you, if they coached on the team with you, they know you're just going to give loads of sincere, honest encouragement. You're not going to be chintzy with your words or with your time. Can you imagine what we could do? I literally believe you could build a church on encouragement. I mean, guys, listen. We live in a negative, cynical critical age everybody does it and when we do it we're not the peculiar special people of God I'm not saying there's never a place for that but it, it the percentage should be really small if we become the place where people know man they're gonna build you up they're gonna believe in you they're gonna I mean I'm facing a tough time in my life they're gonna put some courage in me in the middle of this crazy pandemic, when everything's going crazy, in the middle of this election, in the middle of everything going on, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with some people who go, you know what, we believe things can be better, and we believe that you could be better. So, so here's our response this morning. We're just going to sing a song. The worship team, come on up. and we're, we're gonna, there, It's a great song. And, and, and the, the title of the song we're about to sing is <clears throat> Build Your Kingdom Here. Let me read the first lines. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand. Heal our streets and land. I love this one. Set your church on fire. Win this nation back. Change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here, we pray. So if you're online, I want to invite you to pay attention to these words and to sing them. Because... Really, these words are, are not just a song, they're a prayer. They're asking God to come build your kingdom here. And, and, and when you ask God to change the atmosphere, that's what a cool line. I mean, you've been to churches that are dead as a doornail. You've been to churches where no one speaks to you, more or less encourages you. I mean, there's an atmosphere of life and energy and positivity. But here's what I'm going to say to you. Do not sing this song if you're not going to decide to do it. Because if you're going to pray to God to build your kingdom here, you better be offering your life to do it. So, you got a decision right now. Am I going to sing this song? 
I beg you to. I beg you to sing as a prayer because, guys, we could be a part of the solution and not the problem. So please stand and sing with all of your heart.